Scripture reading this morning will be from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Good morning and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence today. If you're visiting, we are glad that you've chosen to come today. We're always thankful to have visitors with us. We appreciate so much the opportunity to be together today. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 50, and for the purpose of our lesson today, we'll be looking at verses 15 through 26 as we think about a great servant calls it a career. I want us to think for a minute or two about the life and death of Joseph. Joseph is no doubt one of the great characters of the Old Testament. He faced a lot of hardship in life, and yet out of that hardship, great things came forth. There have been times in the past when I have seen great leaders, good people, call it a career. There comes a point in time in the life of all people when it's time to say goodbye, when it's time to walk away. As we look at the life of Joseph, we see a great servant, a man who comes to the close of his life and in essence calls it a career. I want to begin by looking at verses 15 through 19 and verse 21 as we think together about Joseph as he let go of the past because of God. When I think about somebody letting go of the past, I think about forgiveness. A willingness on the part of someone to let go, to release the past. You well know the story of Joseph. He had been sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites. The Bible tells us that this man ended up down in Egypt. He began serving Potiphar. Later, he was cast into prison. Spent some two years in prison and then rose to second in command under Pharaoh. In chapter 50, the Bible tells us that the father of Joseph had passed away, he had died. Joseph, as you know, was the favored son of his father, and really that was the beginning of his undoing because the brothers of Joseph were said to have hated him. They envied him. They could not speak peaceably to him. And so when all was said and done, the father, the brothers, reunited with Joseph, all was well. 
But now, the father's dead. And so we have the acknowledged fears of Joseph's brothers. First of all, the Bible tells us that they panicked. Look at verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us or fully repay us for all the evil which we did to him. You can understand their alarm and their anxiety. I mean, after all, what they had done to their brother was despicable, hard to imagine. And so they panicked like many of us would have done. In verses 16 through 18, we have their passionate plea. They sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall, you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Let me just pause there for a minute. Nothing is said in scripture to my knowledge about their father saying anything along these lines, but I can well understand their fears and their plea. They wanted to make sure that Joseph, their brother, was not going to make their lives miserable. And so what we have is Joseph allaying the fears of his brothers. There are three things here. First of all, his tenderness. In verse 17, the latter part of that verse, the Bible says, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Now, what they didn't understand about Joseph, at least from my vantage point, he wasn't like them. His heart wasn't like theirs. In no way did he intend to exact revenge on them. And so when they spoke to him about this matter or sent messengers invoking his compassion, he wept. But there's a second thing, his truthfulness. Here's what he said. In verse 19, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Joseph well understood that if anyone was going to settle the score, it would not be him, but it would be God. 
Do you remember in Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul in the long ago said, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Joseph understood this New Testament principle. Nearly, well, almost 2,000 years before it was ever penned. And then there is a third thing, and that is his thoughtfulness. Listen to what is said in verse 21. Again, allaying the fears of his brothers, he said, now therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Paul said, if your enemy hungers, you feed him. If he thirsts, you give him something to drink. And in so doing, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. You see, Joseph wasn't anything like his brothers. They had been living in a state of guilt for 22 years before they were reunited. And I would hope and pray that over the course of those years, they did a lot of changing in their lives. What they didn't understand, their brother was a good man. Was it just a good man? He was a godly man. There's a second thing I want you to see in our text. And that is that Joseph learned about the providence of God. And here we have his great faith. I want you to look, if you would, at verse 20. In verse 20, we have, first of all, Joseph talking about their plot, and then the plan. You see, the brothers of Joseph had devised a plot against their brother. I alluded to that just a moment ago. They sold him into the hands of the Ishmaelites and the Midianites. And Joseph literally went to what we would call the school of hard knocks. He had to learn a lot of lessons the hard way. You think about a young man at the age of 17 years of age being separated from the father that loved him, his friends, and other family members. And then add to that the fact that when he gets settled in Egypt, begins working for Potiphar, that Potiphar's wife lied about some circumstances. And so he ends up in prison, spends two years in prison. And then he rises to prominence under the hand of Pharaoh. And so in verse 20, Joseph said, as for you, you meant evil against me. Oh, they meant evil, all right. They wanted rid. They wanted to get rid of that brother. They didn't want to see him again. But note, if you would, as Joseph talks about this great plan. 
He said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. I want you to go back with me for just a minute to chapter 41. In chapter 41, there are two things that I would call attention to. First of all, we think about the position of Joseph. Bear in mind that Joseph is now being exalted to stature in the Egyptian kingdom. Here's what was said in the long ago by Pharaoh. After Joseph had interpreted his dream, he said, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. So we have not just his position, but his power. Here is this humble boy that comes to great power in the kingdom of Egypt. At the age of 30, the Bible tells us in verse 42 that Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And then I would call attention to another passage. Look at chapter 45. And here we talk about this plan of Almighty God. This plan included the posterity, the seed line. In verse 5, Joseph, of course, has identified himself to his brothers. In verse 5, he said, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be another, or rather be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth, and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Joseph reminds his brothers that God had a hand in all of this. I think of that old phrase of making lemonade out of lemons. God has the ability to take bad circumstances, difficult times, hardships, problems and use them for his good and ours as well. The Bible in the book of Romans talks about how all things work together for good to them that love the Lord in Romans 8 verse 28. A brief glance in the life of Joseph would no doubt reveal that he faced Unbelievable circumstances. And yet, out of all of these circumstances and hardships, good things occurred. You see, because he rose to second in command under Pharaoh, God's people were allowed to settle in the land of Goshen. 
And it was there that some 70 people grew to almost 2 million by the time they left Egypt. God had a hand in all of that. And it would be through the children of Israel that the Christ, the Messiah, would come. There's a third thing that I want you to see, and that is that Joseph looked to the promises of God. Here we have him looking to the future. Specifically, two things occur. First of all, he talked about his death. In verse 23, he makes reference to his people, or Moses makes reference to his people, that he saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machar, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. But then in verse 24, he talks about his passing. Listen to what he said. I am dying. You ever talk to somebody and they acknowledge to you, I'm dying? You ever talk to somebody, visit with a friend, a family member, and you know their time is short? Here were people talking to Joseph. His time was short. He was dying and he knew it. And so he makes preparation. Look at verse 24. He said, God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. Joseph here is alluding to a prophecy given to Abraham in chapter 15 of Genesis about how the children of Israel would be servants in Egypt. They would serve 400 years and then they would come out with a great deliverance. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 19, the Bible tells us that Moses carried out of Egypt the bones of Joseph. No doubt a solemn reminder to those people that we're going to leave this place. We talk about making preparation for death. It's one thing to make preparation for where you're going to be buried, the funeral home that will take care of your remains. It's another thing to make preparation for your eternal state. Joseph would be stepping out into eternity. You and I one day will be stepping out into eternity. And so we must make preparation to meet Almighty God, to stand before Him. Because the Bible says, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us must give an account of himself to God. There is coming a day in which we will stand before the judge of all the earth. And as Abraham acknowledged, he will do what's right. So that's why we need to be members of the body of Christ. We need to be his children. We need to obey the gospel and live faithfully until death. And then finally, Joseph talked about their deliverance. In verse 25, the Bible says Joseph took this oath and he said, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. I said a moment ago that Moses brought forth the bones of Joseph. Look at verse 26, and Joseph died 
being 110 years old, and they embalmed him. And he was put in a coffin in Egypt. The book of Genesis begins with life. It ends in death. It begins with the life of Adam and Eve, and it ends with the death of Joseph. Joseph was a good man. His grandfather died at the age of 175. And yet, his father too outlived him. He lived 110 years. 110 years seems like a long time to us, but really it's not very long. One day you and I are gonna step out into eternity and as we come to the close of our life, I would hope and pray that we could say that as we draw near to the end of this life and call it a career, that we're going home to be with the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're not a child of God. Could I encourage you to come to Christ? To believe that he is the son of God, John 8 verse 24. To repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. To confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. To be baptized so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 2, 38. And then to live faithfully until death, Revelation 2, 10. If you're not faithful, why not come back today as we stand and sing?